0: Which aviation business should you start? That question answered and more on the Grease Pilot Show with Michael Sawyer. Hey everyone, it's Michael with the Grease Pilot Show here. Excuse me. Uh, It's the wee early morning here. And uh, got my coffee Got my schedule here for the podcast, Uh, and this is episode four, I believe, so we're really rolling it now here. So uh, today, the golden question, which aviation business should I start? Uh, Before we even roll into that, I want to talk about the podcast and the schedule that we have going here. Every Monday and Friday, we will be dropping new podcasts. Of the Greece pilot show at six o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time. So, for those of you want to know when we're going to be dropping new episodes, just be looking for them in your uh, your favorite podcast listening show at six a.m. on Mondays and Fridays. I figured uh, Monday would be great because you can maybe eventually we can uh, get some people uh, <clears throat> some fun trivia or something fun over the weekend we can report on. And then Friday is great because everybody loves Fridays. Uh, most people love Fridays because they get to go uh, <clears throat> not work for the next couple of days if you have a normal job. So those are the two days we're going to release the podcast. We're going to release them early in the morning so you can try to catch it on your way to work. Um, so, yeah, there's the podcast schedule. And uh, like I said, this is about aviation business. So we're not going to talk. I, I have a strong background in a couple of businesses, maintenance and flight school. Uh, operations with some other stuff too but we're going to talk about all aviation business and so today um, we're going to kind of list out some aviation businesses and uh, just maybe briefly touch on them. I won't be able to talk in depth about a lot of them because I haven't gotten into that area of business in aviation but I know a little bit uh, from just being around the aviation industry and best of all let me hear what you guys uh, want to listen to. If you guys have a topic, it's got to be in aviation. That's the requirement. And it's got to be a business. So we gotta, if you are interested in starting a business in aviation and you want us to talk about it, um, drop us a line. <clears throat> go to greasepilot.com. Go to the podcast show. Uh, you can, If you're trying to get to our podcast on our website, if you're listening to this on Spotify or something else, there should be a link back to our website. Um, so you can click that and it should take you to the Grease Pilot Show, uh, the front page where it shows all of our episodes. You can then open up one of the episodes and leave us a line, uh, comment in the, when you open up the episode, but maybe I'll leave a comment box on the the front page of the Grease Pilot Show too. That way it's easier. But anyway, if you go to our website, leave us a comment or even email us if that's, if you can't find the comment box, which we hope you can. We try to make things easy, but uh, office at greespilot.com. So many ways to leave us comments, and uh, on this particular episode, four topic. Let's hear what you guys want to uh, hear about opening a, a which sector of aviation do you want? Are you interested in? And in return, what I'll do is I will try to get someone who runs uh, a successful aviation business. If if we get enough people to Say, hey, I'd like to listen to how to open an aircraft detailing business. Well, let's get a really successful aircraft detailer on the on the show and let's pick his brain. You know, that's what this show's about. So I have no problem reaching out uh, and seeing if we can get them to come on the show. So uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and list these off first. These are just ones that I thought about. There's probably a lot more, but these this is what comes to mind. The types of aviation businesses we'll briefly touch on Obviously, aircraft maintenance, flight schools, charter uh, FAA 135 charter, which is uh, unscheduled flying, private private charter flights, airline passenger business that's under FAR 121, Uh, airline cargo, aircraft brokerage, uh, charter brokerage, which is a guy who charters uh, or brokers flights for people. Um, Believe it or not, I know of a guy uh, that does that. And uh, AC detailing or aircraft detailing, aviation marketing firm, aviation consulting, aircraft parts business, and aviation insurance broker. These are all businesses in the aviation field that may be something you want to get going on, but we'll talk a little bit about each. So start, I'm not going to go too much into aircraft maintenance because trust me on this podcast, we're going to, we're gonna go over that subject in great detail, and um, as you know, we've got the course. I mentioned it. That's that's the product offering I have, and um, if you want to learn how to start a business, that's what I recommend you do is hop on over to the Grease Pilot website, excuse me, and grab a copy of the get access, lifetime access to the course. But Aircraft maintenance, uh, before we even go into it, I guess I need to back up, which I'm sorry I do this often, but the two big things <clears throat> to find out what you should start, uh, in aviation is what you're interested in and what you're experienced in. And doesn't mean that because you're experienced like for aircraft mechanics, let's take that for an example. Um, you don't need to be an aircraft mechanic to start an aviation maintenance business. As a matter of fact, like, uh, in the course, we talk about how you can go ahead and get started. We show you like how to start an aircraft maintenance business mobily, and with that, you don't need to be a mechanic. If you want to become a mechanic, you can even work under mechanics within your company to get your A.M.P. But you don't need to be one. It's nice to be one, you kind of understand the lingo a little bit, but it can also screw you up on some things. You know, if you're if you're not uh, a mechanic or you're not a flight instructor and you want to start a flight school, you have a lot of pros and the pros are you don't have to be the one in the seat flying and believe it or not when you're turning wrenches or flying an airplane or or you're physically conducting the operations of your company you're missing out on all the other things to grow the company which is marketing uh, planning strategic growth you're you know you're not given time to that so as a non if you don't carry the license or the experience to actually perform the what is the job of your aircraft maintenance company then you have the opportunity to look at it from a different view and work on marketing and things that really can blow up your company. So I I would not be scared to go into something and I have if I didn't have the license at it. Now, when I say experience in that industry it means okay obviously if you're an aircraft mechanic yes you have experience in aviation maintenance so that would be a logical thing to do. But even if you have mechanical. Experience that's a logical thing to pursue, even if it's an automotive, if it's an automotive or whatever, it doesn't matter um, because mechanics are mechanics now. Aviation, each mechanics category has some different uh, things about it. But uh, if you're a mechanic, an auto mechanic, you get your hands dirty, you get your hands dirty in aviation too. You pull parts on, you put parts off, or pull parts off, you put them on, you know, screws, nuts, bolts. All that stuff are similar, but they are different grades, they're different they're called differently, you know. Maybe in aviation there's safety wiring. There's different things. And with aviation, there's maybe another level of safety uh and different ways of doing mechanics, but overall they're they're roughly the same. Um so <clears throat> if you're experienced in this area, that'd be a good pick. If you're interested in an area, that'd be a good pick. If you have interest and experience in an area, that's probably the one to go after. Okay, so uh, types of aviation businesses, we aircraft maintenance. Like I said, if you've got any mechanical background and if you're interested in mechanics, that'd be a great fit for you. We're not gonna talk a lot about that one. Flight schools is the next one. Um, flight schools are uh, one of the more popular ones to start. They're also one of the more popular ones to fail. I personally have personally had my own flight school. Um, I sold out of it about a year ago and that's because it was a lot, it was, we were trying to grow this flight school at a very high rate and within a year we opened three locations and it had eight airplanes from nothing to that and uh, bootstrapped it from, uh, I think me and my partner ended up putting 15,000 each into the company to start it and that's, and we did that over the course of a year and a half I think it was. Uh he's he bought me out, he owns the company. I needed to take a step back from it because it was really I had a family and I needed to kind of figure out what I was doing. So I sold out and um but what I'm getting at here is this is what I know about flight schools and we can we'll touch on this even more. You know, there's gonna be a lot of stuff about flight schools on this podcast too because that uh I, I've got a lot of um experience in that area too and we'll bring other flight school owners on bigger flight schools and I've worked for big flight schools we'll try to get them on the show Um, we we've had maintenance contracts with big flight schools and I mean we've been around it so we have some knowledge to share with you guys but flight schools if you're a flight instructor it seems logical it's a high capital thing to get into Um, you obviously need a plane or access to one and there's different options to get that but let's just go over the basics a flight school typically has a lower profit margin than a lot of the other ones because they're, in I'm sure that airlines fall in this category. Actually, I know they do. Cargo, I'm, airline cargo, I'm not sure, but anytime you're going to fly an airplane for for an income, with some with some exceptions that I can't think of offhand, maybe some military contract flying, it's going to be tight on the profit margins just because there is so much to do to keep that operation alive. Flight schools are no different. You know, you you make a lot of money in flight schools. You know, the ticket size is good, good size tickets every time you make an invoice or every time you make a flight, but the expenses come right up behind it. You know, we got insurance. Let's go ahead and list some of the bigger expenses. Fuel, uh, maintenance, insurance, hangar rent, uh, and don't forget about the staff, the employees, and then you've got uh, trailing behind it like office supplies, tooling, subscriptions, you name it, there's just all the little little expenses that utilities that creep up on you. So like whereas in like an example would be like an aircraft maintenance business, you've got hangar rent and insurance, and if you don't do hangar, you just have insurance. You don't have planes to maintain, which and you don't have uh fuel to buy for the planes. You do have the staff, obviously, but it aircraft maintenance also enjoys a little higher on the profit margin side. So Flight schools are really cool, really popular. I've done them, and they 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 can be passive too. That's the other side. If you can get the right um, mechanic to to maintain it, and you know we're gonna, it's not gonna happen in the next probably six months. But we're gonna do a how to start a flight school business course, and um, because it takes some time to develop the course, it takes like six six months at least minimum to develop a course. At least for us, because we want it to be super detailed. We want to make sure that we get it right. We want to make sure we put all of our knowledge in there. We want to then go back and make sure we um, filter out all the crap. You know, there's a lot of crap that you sometimes put in, in, a, in a course. And we just want to make a very logical step-by-step way of starting a company quickly with no money, like we did with the, the aircraft maintenance business. We'll do the same with the flight school, but it's going to take some time. Okay, let's move on. Charter, 135 um that's literally unscheduled private flights for top people basically you know top 5% top 10% of uh, wealthiest people and i got to pick it the clip up cuz we're at 13 minutes so charter uh private charter air uh, prior, private charter company i don't have any experience in it i've been around it um i do think it's probably another high capital um meaning like it takes a lot of money to get started um, and, but it would be cool. I do see them fail a lot. I can tell you that if you're not exposing yourself in metros, you're done. (laughs) You're eliminated. Uh, so don't be going and open a charter. Same with most of these schools. You know, if you need, you need to be exposing yourself in high metro areas and you need to think big. You can't think small. You just can't. Don't do it. Think big. So on a charter side, being a metro, And if it were me, and I forgot a big one on here, 91 Fractional Ownership Company, if it were me, I've scratched around the idea of doing this, I would do a 91 Fractional Company like uh, Wheels Up or FlexJet or, um, I can't believe I'm forgetting the net NetJets, uh, there's a whole bunch of them, but do a Fractional Ownership Company, then you can have a 135 shell that you can lease out planes, but you're your planes are paid for by your customers you what know, 91 fractional ownership. So that's how I would go about charter 135 wheels up is a publicly traded company. They just made, went public like a couple years ago, I think. So it can be done. You can make big business in that, but uh, I don't know how profitable they are. So I'm going to pass on that one, but it's definitely a sector of business that you can get into uh, high capital, but I recommend going the fractional ownership route, uh, which is FAR 91. You're basically managing customers' airplanes, and then you're using those customer airplanes to start a charter operation. And you have an agreement with them that says, hey, your plane's gonna be whatever. Well, I don't even know what the agreements are, but it's gonna say something along the lines of, we're able to use your plane for our charter 135 business. To get a charter 135, you have to go through the FAA, get a certificate, yada yada yada. I see those companies for sale all the time on barnstormers and uh, online and so it leads me to believe that it's a company that sounds cool but it probably isn't cool and that's my opinion but maybe if someone's interested in it maybe we can get someone on the show and talk about it. The only reason why I say it isn't cool because is it comes with a lot of stress I bet and I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and group the same with airline uh, passenger and airline cargo. Airline passengers probably arguably on this list the one that I would not touch ever and that's just because they're insane. The airlines are literally insane. I do not they are cool, they're impressive, they are fascinating. You know, there is no doubt that they're the big player in the, the aviation market. But if I were going in the airline industry, I'd become an airline pilot. I think they're the, got the best, I think they got the best of it. I don't even think the managers and the owners got it good, but the owners probably do. But they're super volatile. Uh, the industry is, you know, if you fart, the, the the stock price goes down on them. And, you know, so, there's so many things that are required to make an airline work. So if you look at it, at it from that perspective, then think of what it's like to run it as a business. You know, every day you're basically patching things together to make it work. Um, and it's not like that's, if you enjoy that, then heck, that's it. That's the whole point. Um, but if you're looking to kind of get something that's not as uh, management intense, capital intense, starting an airline's is not going to be it. Airline cargo, same story. Although I think in the airline cargo world, it's a little less restrictive, a little less regulated. I don't know this, but since you're not carrying as many passengers, I'm willing to bet that you can get by with a little <clears throat> less on the, the regulation. I don't know that. You guys can let me know. If you guys want to jump in and correct me on the comments, go for it. Uh, I'd be more than happy to hear it, because, yeah, and and if you got knowledge in the industry, think think about coming on the show and talking, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, we just like to talk aviation, I'm not a talk show host, I I just like aviation enough that I have a lot to talk about it, so, uh, aircraft brokerage, Um, that's the next one, we're about halfway through our list here, so on an aircraft brokerage, I think this is probably a good one to get into. You don't need really any licenses to get into it. You need knowledge of airplanes. I think, you know, you don't physically you don't need anything that I know of to sell airplanes. Of course, I haven't sold any jets or anything like that, but I've sold 10 or 15 piston aircraft of other people's piston aircraft, not my own. And the process is is pretty simple, and it just it's all about the experience. You know, if you give a good customer experience through the process of buying or selling an airplane for someone, then they're going to enjoy it and they're going to tell their friends. So the only thing I don't like about the aircraft business market is that if you're not in the jet world or the turboprop, you're not selling high ticket planes, you need volume. And there's not a lot of volume. You know, there's a lot of brokers and there's not a lot of volume, meaning there's not a lot of planes. You know, I could look up the gamma statistics, but Planes aren't produced like cars. They're just not around like they are. I think the... I gotta think about this. I I usually know all these numbers. As far as how many planes there are. But I think that... uh, I had this on one of my posts on Grease Pilot 2. I think there's like 150,000 airplanes total on the fleet. I do know it's less than a quarter million. Quarter million planes. Let's just use the high number. Right? Let's look it up real quick. I don't care. We're, we're going to look it up. I can uh, get to it pretty quick here. I'm on the Grease Pilot uh, website, which is a great resource for even me. Got go down to the bottom here. We're going to go to resources, or excuse me, we're going to go back and go to blog. Scroll down to the footer. Click blog. And let's open up the blog because I know I made this. uh, I had this statistic in here. Okay. And uh, this is according to either, I think it's Wings online. In 2022, the general aviation aircraft fleet size was 211,743. So that's the general aviation aircraft fleet size. The airline fleet size is probably, I don't know. I don't know that, but it's not bigger than that. It's not, there's more piston aircraft than there are any other aircraft in the world. So um, there's not that many airplanes, you know, there are Tesla makes more than that a year in cars, you know, blows that out of the water. So that's the total amount of planes currently flying in the GA fleet. So what I'm getting at is small market, if you can, a lot of competition, but if you can, uh, find a unique offering, aircraft brokerage would be it. Typically what I've always found is that it's 5% when you sell an airplane. I've sold airplanes, the piston world, and I would get 5% of the commission, uh, for the total sale price. So plane was sold it for a hundred thousand dollars. I get $5,000. And my responsibilities whenever we did it was, um, and we had checklists and I haven't sold one in a while, but we would, uh, ask the owner what the first, we would get some comps. You know, we'd go on the market and find out, we'd look at their plane, list the avionics, look at the paint, look at the interior, the year, the hours on the engine. We'd list all this stuff down, get the stats for the plane. And then we would Go to the market, barnstormers, controller, trade a plane, and we would look for planes similar in that arena, right? We would get three comps, three comparable aircraft, and try to get their pricing that they were selling for. We would then come back to the aircraft owner and give them a recommended sale price, which we started a little high, unless the owner wanted to liquidate or get it rid of it quick, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40,000 above price, depending on the owner. And we'd see what he would want to sell it for. Obviously, he's the, the one he or she's going fi- to have the final say. We, and then once we agreed on the price, <clears throat> excuse me, we would go ahead and list the airplane, take photos. Uh, we would get the stats sheet put up. You know, the s- people. The more information you put online about the airplane, the less calls you're going to get. So we, we'd scan all the logs. It takes a good hour to scan some of these logs, but we'd scan all of them take pictures of the plane, put the stat sheet up. All the work on this is on the front end, so mm-hmm. it's like you um, have to put in a good full day's work just to get the plane ready to list, right? Take good pictures, then once it's listed, you're fielding all the calls. So we list it on usually pistons, barnstormers for sure, trade a plane and controller, but we would leave controller last because that's we see that being more high-end planes. Excuse me for a second. I'm sorry for uh, the stuffiness, but I told you that I'm coming down with something. My daughter has passed it over to me. So uh, I'm I'm doing podcasts consistently. So whether I'm sick or not, that's just the way it goes. But um, so list the airplane. And arguably one of the hardest things to do is to get all these calls from these people all the time you're getting calls you're getting inquiries for these planes depending on how hot the plane is if it's a cessna 172 a 182 a bonanza if it's got a lot of popularity then it's gonna you're gonna get a lot of traffic which is good because it's more liquid you can sell it quicker but then you field all these calls you answer all the questions you organize you you do everything so i'm going to back it up and not even this isn't maybe we'll do a different a separate one on aircraft brokerage but essentially you field all the calls you schedule the appointments for them people to see the planes. You market the airplane. You do the contract for the airplane, which is a bill of sale and a purchase agreement, which you can get templates online, modify them. And uh, you just foster the whole transition. Then at the very end, you want the aircraft owner, they need to sign the, the bill of sale and the purchase agreement. Bill of sale is absolutely required. You cannot transfer... Uh, the ownership of an aircraft without an FAA bill of sale. But the purchase agreement's optional. And then we got to the point where we were using um, uh, title companies. They they do a great job because they search for the any liens on the airplane, damage reports. They take care of the bill of sale. And they make it all easy. And it's like, it was like 500 bucks for the service through like AIC title. And that's what we started using because they made the paperwork process super simple. But um, let's move on charter brokerage. Man, I, I don't want this podcast to go on forever, so I'm going to try to make these short. Charter brokerage is uh, where you are a guy that, uh, are the you're the middle guy between private flights and people who want private flights. That's very simple. And I knew of a guy who did this, and I don't know what his revenue numbers was. He was a one-man show, and I think to this day, he's still in that business. He sold the business, or sold the list, because at the in this world, your list are, in all aviation, your contacts are so important. So with the charter brokerage business, um, I I helped him on, on one particular charter broker. I was living in Colorado, and he was here in Des Moines. And he had a client going to Centennial Airport, APA, from Des Moines. And he wanted someone to be at Centennial to kind of um, be like a... Basically, these guys that you're serving, your clientele, are the top, like, 5%, 10% wealth-wise in the country. So, you got to, they want stuff with a golden spoon. And um, so, when he wanted someone to be at the jet, like, door, when the door opened, to, like, say, hey, how you doing? Welcome to uh, Centennial Airport. What can I do for you? You know, is there anything I can do for you? And basically, be a support staff. And... You're, you're going to be basically serving your customer to a high level. And I don't know the commissions on it, but it's a very personable area. So you're going to build a lot of relationships. If you're not a people person, I don't know if that's a good one. But in the charter aircraft charter business, I, it, it looks to be a good one for profitability and overhead. There's probably some insurance involved with it. Um, But for expenses, I don't see a whole lot. I think that you got to build a lot of good relationships and you have to serve the customer. That that one's going to be where you have to, your work is all in the the serving the customer. You know, like you're going to have a lot of hands-on. There's like making sure they get the right kind of pop on the flight. Um, Making sure they get the right snacks on the flight, making sure they know where their crew car, their rental car is, making sure it's there when they, it's all about just making sure that that person has a seamless travel experience. And actually it sounds pretty cool to give someone that, that, um, that experience, you know, so maybe it's something worth doing. Aircraft detailing. This is a good one. I don't, I've, I've obviously washed some planes. I've never had a detailing business. We've charged for washing planes. If you're doing, like, a lot of these can be mixed together, but you got to be careful about um, getting spread out. But, like, with aircraft maintenance, we naturally charged to wash airplanes because, guys, it would be in the shop. So we would wash the airplane. You know, uh, it used to be, like, 300 bucks for one piston, a single piston. We'd wash the outside, wash the windows. We wouldn't even do the belly on that um, because that's some of those bellies were nasty. We'd vacuum the inside, um, do a spot check on the inside, which means like wipe little spots on the interior, and uh, people paid that all day because <clears throat> at the end of the day we did a good job and we it was worth it to some people. <clears throat> if you're real good, you can even wax and do the underbelly and all this stuff, and with that you don't need a license. There's lots of ways to get started. I mean, there's courses online. I don't I know I there's a company out there that kind of like I don't know if they're, like, a franchise or what, but you got to be careful when you're uh, detailing AC, though, because aircraft, because if you don't know what you're doing and you, like, break an antenna or something, it could literally cost you, um, like, $20,000 if you're on a jet. It could cost way more than that. It just depends on the plane. So, like, there's probably insurance to be had with that, but once again, it's up to you to get it. Number one, number two, it's about your client list. Number three, you're going to have to be good about getting into the penetrating the airport perimeter, is what I'll say. Basically being able to get into the airport, you have to know somebody to get into onto an airport. You can't just walk onto an airport and start, like on the ramp and start talking to people, unless it's uncontrolled, which some are, but a lot of your bigger airports not gonna happen. So aircraft detailing business, probably pretty labor intensive, but don't need uh, any licenses to get started. Um, the margins, I don't know what they are. Uh, honestly, I think they'd probably be 15, 20 percent, maybe even more. I'm saying that profit margin. Depends if you have employees. Depends on what types of airplanes you're doing. But once again, that's about experience. Go, you know, do a good job with your uh, detailing. Um, build up your customer list. Uh, yeah, so that that probably wouldn't be too bad to get into. Aviation marketing firm. Don't know. Obviously, we market. You have to learn how to market your business, but you can literally become an aviation marketing firm. People come to you to market their business. And obviously, you'd want to know a lot about online and social and print and a lot of these other ways. If you don't know a lot, then you got to dig in and start going. You know, make your own website. Make make an aviation marketing firm website. You know, and learn the process of doing that, so that you can have other make other people's websites, and so that's a job. I won't go into detail in it, but you're, you know, if you start one of these other aviation companies, you're gonna have to learn how to market. And maybe down the road, if you don't like it, you could offer your marketing services to other people. Aviation consulting—that's more of if you got experience in, in a in a particular area of business, you can go ahead and consult, charge per hour to offer your your um, expertise. And honestly, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a consultant that's successful. I'm sure they're out there. I see them all the time, but I don't get the point, you know, like some of these consultants that they get on the phone and talk, I guess it's mentor. And actually, when I think about it, uh, it's probably super valuable. You know, if you had someone on the phone to be able to answer your questions, then that'd be, that'd be great. You know, if you were stuck and they knew what to do, yeah, I can see how aviation consulting would be super useful, and maybe not a bad business business to get into if you're uh, thinking about um, starting something from home, and you have experience in a field, and uh, you're gonna need how to, you're probably gonna need a website, so you're gonna need to learn how to market your services, but um, probably a lower capital business to get started. Aircraft parts business, and um, we're going on 31 minutes, and. I'm trying to keep these podcasts to 15 to 20 minutes, but we won't go much longer. Probably another 10 minutes tops here. So if you're still with me, hang in there. Uh, I'm just trying to get through my list, and maybe we'll come up on one that you guys like. We The rest of the businesses we have are aircraft parts business and aviation insurance broker. So if you're not interested in those, go ahead and buzz on out. If you are interested, <clears throat> keep keep listening. Aircraft parts business. I never ran a parts business myself, we sold parts uh, through our maintenance company. And so uh, what I can tell you that I know about the parts business is becoming a vendor for certain parts can be tricky because there's a lot of territorial reasons and volume, like Garmin, for example. You usually have to sell a certain volume to become a, a, a vendor or you have to have a big purchase You know, you have to buy $20,000 a product, hold it on your shelf, then sell it. So, like, there's a lot of that stuff going on in the vendor world. Um, And it's competitive in terms of, like, the established parts people uh, kind of have their their territories. And I think that it would be a cool business to start. You better be good at organizing. Um, I think drop shipping would be the way to go if you're looking for a low-cost way uh, to do it. Basically, you're going to be a website. And you're going to offer products you're going to out seo the other aircraft businesses and then in return have a vendor fulfill the orders uh, that's that's the direction i would go to start but eventually move into stocking the parts at the location just simply because you lose out on some stuff when you drop ship you lower your capital that you need to have on hand or like to buy parts but Uh, you lose out on the experience. The customer may get the box and it may be branded differently. That's not cool with me, honestly. And the other part is you're relying on this vendor to fulfill your order. So there's a lot of possibility of them not fulfilling it on time and you have to be the face in front of the customer. So there's pros and cons to drop shipping. But if I were to start it, I'd probably do drop shipping, then morph it into a um, business that I had the stock, or at least started stocking, tracking what was Super popular parts wise and then I would start stocking the popular parts So I could get them out quickly and brand my material on it so that it would help. I Don't know the margins on the parts business um, We have a parts markup schedule for our aircraft maintenance business, but like I don't think it's the same as with the if you're gonna sell Parts outright and then aviation insurance broker our last one Aircraft parts business probably wouldn't be a bad one to start either uh, if you're smart, you just got to dive in there. It's competitive. I'll say that because I've tried getting to be a a dealer for like Tempest oil filters and they're like, yeah, who are you? And what are you doing? Calling me (laughs) small little FBO, our maintenance shops. And we're and I was calling these guys trying to get an oil filter distributor, uh, be a distributor for them. And they, they pretty much were like, no, that ain't going to happen. Sorry. This was for Winterset, back when I had Winterset, and they Omaha Airplane Supply at the time was the parts uh, place right next door in Omaha, and they were a Tempest dealer, and they're like, no, we're not going to step on their feet. So there's a lot of that going on, like, hey, no, we can't do it because, you know, there's a parts, there's a uh, distributor right next door to you, and the only, this is, if I were to approach the parts business, I told you I'd drop ship. But drop ship out SEO. And then let's say you, you started selling a lot of filters, right? Well, after selling so many filters, uh, if I started selling them, or I probably would just go right into it and buy a truckload of, some, of filters. And here's why I think you can get around these parts vendors saying, hey, you know, we have, there's a distributor right down the road. You can't be a distributor. But if I call them and say, hey, I'd like to buy $30,000 worth of oil filters from you. Can I do that? See that I talked to an aeroshell dealer and that's what they that was the ticket for them. There was an aeroshell dealer in Des Moines for aeroshell oil and I was tired of the customer service because it was an automotive dealership selling aviation oil. They didn't know anything about aviation oil or they didn't ha, they didn't have the people knowledgeable in aviation running it. And I was like, hey, I want to become an oil distributor. What's that going to take? And they said, it literally, you got to buy just a semi-truck full of oil. It was going to be like $30,000, right? And at that time, I did not have $30,000. But now looking back, I think... You can get around these guys if you make big enough orders. You can become a vendor if you just have big enough orders. Some that will probably work for. Like, I think in the case of AeroShell, if I want to be an AeroShell vendor... Hey, I just got to buy enough oil at the beginning. And the best part is... You pick, like, oil or oil filters, get the right purchase price, buy a lot from them, you're going to sell that stuff. Like, everybody needs oil. I could sell that in Des Moines, Iowa. That's where I'm from. Walk around to all the FBOs. It might take me a little bit, but I could be like, hey, how much are you paying for oil? Oh, you're paying $9 a quart, $8 a quart, six whatever you are, Okay. Hey, I'm the new AeroShell distributor in, in Des Moines, and I can beat your, the people's prices 100% guaranteed, and I deliver for free. Guarantee you, like in Des Moines, crush it. Might be something I get into. But I got to stay focused, because that's one thing that will kill you, is if you don't stay focused on one idea, it, you'll get steamrolled. You'll just get lost, and you won't get... You'll be a jack of all trades and a master of none. Last one, <clears throat> insurance broker um basically brokering insurance which is not my cup of tea but we've dealt with them quite a bit you're the middleman between the insurance company and the company that needs insurance that's an aviation insurance broker i think that you need an aviation you do need a brokerage license and what that takes i'm not sure but um and i don't know the cuts that they get but you're the middleman so you're talking to companies then you're talking to the insurance Companies and you're providing the service. You're ba- I, I don't even know how they came to be. I, maybe insurance companies were tired of dealing with companies, but they get a cut for doing that. And so they're a middleman. So anytime you're a middleman, I think that you don't have as much overhead to start it, right? Because you're ne- neither producing the product and you're never you're not like you you have nothing to give other than a service typically. You're just providing a service, you're connecting two parties together. And so I think it's probably decent for a startup cost. You got to get that brokerage license. And um, I don't, I looked at it briefly just because when we had the flight school, I was like, hey, maybe we can save some money if we were on, or even with the shop, it was like, we could, how much money could we save on insurance if we were an aircraft broker? I looked at it, didn't scratch it too much. Because once again, I was like, hey man, we're, I, I can't focus on, I got to focus on one thing. But I do know you need to be a licensed insurance broker. And I don't even think it's aviation. I think it's just like a general insurance broker license that each state has. And I'm not even sure what that takes. It might even be a course that you take online. I don't know. But once you do that, then it's all about building your contact list and uh, being super helpful with your clients because the thing with insurance brokers, when we deal with them, nothing, nothing sucks more as of like when you talk to somebody who doesn't know what they, doesn't know your business. That sucks so bad, you know? And, um, so if you know a little bit about a certain area in aviation and want to be a broker, you probably could connect with those customers and be able to offer that service. So, um, there's, there's some companies that, uh, I thought of when I, When I came down here this morning in in my studio and thought, well, what are we going to talk about today? We may go and break out into these into uh, other podcasts and maybe talk about them a little bit more, but if you're interested in hearing a little more about a particular one, if if it's something that I've done as a business, then we can go into detail on it, maybe make another podcast. Um, But if it's something I haven't done personally, which there's a lot of them on the list, um, then Let's get someone on the show and talk to them. Someone that's successful, you know, not just like a uh, guy who uh, wants to start an aircraft detailing business. No, let's get like a guy who's got some employees, making some money, making a living at it, and and ask them about their journey. So, um, with that, we're at about 40 minutes, and uh, let's let's go and stop this podcast for today. Uh, Thank you guys for joining. If you are joining, and um, that wraps this episode up on the Grease Pilot with Michael Sawyer. We'll talk to you guys soon.